it's great to see so many of you back, even even those in the permanent resident community. A lot of you haven't been around because you've been f- stuck at home for, with frozen garage doors and things like that. So, of course, today we are working our way through the first letter of John, and we are in the fourth chapter, which is one of the best-known parts of the New Testament. You hear this pa- chapter a lot at weddings, and it is, like much of the first letter of John, very repetitive. It's this beautiful rhapsodic prose that you can sort of just let it wash over you, or you can really try to listen and hear the nuances as it repeats. It changes slightly each time you hear it. But there's a bit of Catholic trivia for the, that comes from this reading. And that is, what is the one kind of Mass we have at the church where after the Our Father, we do not use the embolism where the priest says, deliver us, Lord, we pray from every evil? Anybody know? Weddings. Because of what is said here about perfect love drives out fear. So it's the one time we don't pray for God to save us from our anxiety. We pray for the couple instead. So let us celebrate God's perfect love for us. I think most of the people in this room are much better Catholics in college than I was. But at one point in college, my junior year, sometime in the fall, I did join a Bible study um, for the first time in my life. It was with an ecumenical group on campus. And the very second, the second week, I got into a fight with one of the other people in the group over this passage we heard for our first reading. God is love, and whoever remains in love remains in God, and God in him. One of the people in the group insisted that this meant that only people who professed belief in God could truly love. I disagreed with that. I said, no, my best friend, who claims to be an atheist, is one of the most loving people I know. Therefore, I feel the passage says that those who truly love must somehow remain in God, whether or not they recognize that they have a relationship with God. It's a call to inclusiveness, which is such an appropriate message for this week of epiphany when we talk about our God as a God for all people, including Persian astrologers who didn't follow the Jewish scriptures. We talk about the Catholic Church as the church of both and, both Jew and Gentile, both man and woman, both slave and free. We didn't settle the argument that night. I didn't belong to that group for much longer, though. My best friend, well, around that time, he said, you know, I guess I'm not an atheist. I guess I'm an apathetic agnostic. I don't know if God exists, and I don't really care. Twenty years later, he now considers himself to be a deist. He believes that God exists, but that God doesn't really care about us. It's progress. But still, a couple years ago, he asked me to be the godfather to his third child. I was so sure he was going to ask me when this first child was born, and I was all prepared for that. But he really caught me off guard with the third one. And we had to talk quite a bit, and I had to talk with his wife and say, well, what, what, 
why are you having your child baptized? And his wife in particular said that they would be taking the kids to church. And so I agreed to be the godparent. And I have given all three of the kids religious-based gifts without being too preachy. It's hard for a priest. But um, the interesting thing is that um, the oldest daughter had a very bad time about a year ago. And she was about six years old and came home crying. And parents were mad too. And then after a day or so, she was over it about this thing. And her parents were still mad. And they said, well, why are you feeling better? And she talked about a book that I had given her about God. God is love. One of my seminary brothers used to say, whenever you preach, that's all you have to say. God is love. All the rest is filler. Filler.